Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome to Paradox, everybody. I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. Welcome to Paradox. We're glad you're here. Are you watching This Is Us? Um, Josh, that's a girly show only watched by girly guys. <laughs> I bet you weep every day. Every stinking week. <laughs> Although the whole substance, are you caught up? Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Turn down the volume for the next 30 seconds if you aren't They're caught not going to get this like weeks from now, so. Well, I guess that's true. The whole substance abuse by the brother mm -hmm. happened so quickly. In like two episodes, he's like this. Right, man. <laughs> he's like, didn't have any problems. Knee injury, and now I'm addicted. So that's been for a season and a half. Like the only thing that I'm like, nah, that was a bit of a stretch. But it's so gold every time. It really is. It's really bizarre. Okay. And you know, because of the writing, the writing is really good. Oh, I thought you said because of the rioting. No, the writing. <laughs> like, huh? Most writing on television is so bad. It's so bad. It just insults your intelligence. Do you know one that I thought was going to insult my intelligence, but it didn't? The what? Wisdom of the Crowd. Have you seen any what of this? in the world? No. What channel is that Jeremy on? Piven. Oh, well, here was another thing. It comes on like CBS. And it's like, oh, boy. Just that whole network and its, its existence is an insult to your intelligence. You have said that. My entire life that I can remember, but you watch a lot of CBS shows. Two. Wisdom of the Crowd. And Blue Bloods. And Blue Bloods. <laughs> you don't watch uh, NCIS just, 13? No, I, don't. I just want this giant mustache so I can go. <sighs> he, Tom Selleck, just inhales with more vim and vigor than anyone that I know. You're a big Tom Selleck fan. Huge Tom Selleck fan. I have Jimbo's Amazon login, and any movies he's purchased, is, the collection is not complete with about, oh, yeah. without about 15 Jesse, Tom Selleck movies. Jesse, what was the Jesse Stone series. Oh, that was a great one. I'm not sure what we're making about. those. But anyway, uh, yes, I do watch This Is Us. We watched it last night. We're recording on a Thursday, and so we... I guess we didn't get to it Tuesday, but it is just so good. Yeah, the adoption really process mm -hmm. tugs on the old heartstrings. It does that. It does that. Today, we are talking about, speaking of adoption, mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with adoption. No, it doesn't. But <laughs> ways to create healthy self-esteem within our kids. Yes. The whole topic of self-worth, self-esteem, in some circles, it gets a bad rep. Like, oh, well, you know, that's about being selfish and being prideful and it's Christ-esteem. Stop it. Just stop it. I get what you're saying. Just stop it. Everyone needs a good, healthy sense of themselves. This isn't some new age where you just love all over yourself and you're a deity in and of yourself. It's nothing like that. And so when we're talking about self-worth, 
It's just not, well, hating yourself. So, so many of the things that we deal with families. Well, it's the second greatest commandment, right? You should love your neighbor like you. As yourself. I was just going to say that. Oh, whoops. No, I wasn't going to say that. That was actually a very nice pickup. But so many, whether, you know, especially working with kids, but working with adults, so many of their issues. I was just talking to a college student today. We do uh, Timothy Center, Texas, where we, we do sessions online via a, a HIPAA secure video link. And he was dealing with the same thing. He just knew the girls were going to break up with him. He felt this standard that he wasn't keeping up to what his parents, their expectations of him. And all of it came back to he didn't like himself. If you look at, just take all the top 10 teen sins, all of that goes back to basically peer pressure. And why are teenagers so susceptible to peer pressure? Because they're young. Because they're young, they're stupid, and they want to be accepted. Yeah. Because uh, their peers' acceptance of them is what gives them their worth. You see a young lady, some 12-year-old, 13, 14, 15-year-old girl who's always got to have a boyfriend. You've known them. They can never go without a boyfriend. I was always the boyfriend. I know. You know what I'm saying? Always dropped on your ear. No matter you know, if they break up, like they have a boyfriend the next afternoon. Why? Because that boyfriend gives them validation. It gives them self-worth. So I'm telling you, probably 80% of the clients I see, and I'm talking adult or kid, in some aspect, their aberrant behavior can funnel back to a low sense of self-worth. Yeah, and you're absolutely already skipping ahead. And by the way, we're on YouTube right now. For the yes, third we week, Thursdays at 2 p.m., we're on YouTube when we stream live. There is one person watching. That's me. That, yeah, that's and our laptop. I've even I've even sent out a, anyone has any questions? <laughs> <laughs> we'll hand it over. I'll ask you a question. <laughs> we ask a question to ourselves. Uh, hey, I like it. Is uh, Jimmy losing weight? Well, thank well, you for thank asking. You, thank you. Thank you. So, but Thursdays at 2 central time on YouTube, we're live. Which means if you're in the UK, you're going to have to get up pretty early <laughs> to listen to us. You know, we got a comment from a listener in the UK. Do you remember that? I mean, we get lots of comments. I know, but she was like from the UK saying how, how she liked the podcast. And I'm not talking like under Kentucky. I'm talking the United Kingdom. If you spend any time thinking about your own childhood, you can probably identify times in which you questioned yourself. I think it's a pretty common adolescent experience where you walk into the lunchroom and you have a pimple and you assume everyone's looking at you. And first of all, that's amazing egocentrism. But second of all, you care that everybody's looking at yes. you. And so we all the question ourselves. Audience. I can remember a time in college, this whole thing started to solidify for me around 2021 or 22. And I would assume that's also pretty common. I went to Howard Payne University in God's country. Amen. Another way to say that is Podunk, USA. Yes. I'm a city boy from Austin, and I was in the ring with a bunch of farmers. And I, I lotioned my feet. Don't tell me that now. I lotioned my elbows. You tell me that while we're live a on the air. A little bit of Luberderm. You are a girly man. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'm not like hunting every weekend. <laughs> I like I like a good hunt, but I'm not like... I like to kill things as, as much as the next guy. <laughs> okay. Hunting every weekend, man. Um, I'm like sit on my rear end, watch sports guy. 
Anywho, there was a girl in college that grew up around farmers, and I'm certainly no roughneck. She called me, I think we were at like at a football game, a six-man football game one Friday night, and she called me a girly guy. And I remember for like weeks being wrecked by that. And it's insane looking back on it 15 years later how, one, powerful those words were, but two, that I questioned myself. And at some level in there, my worth and value because of I'm not as manly as the next guy. So this idea of self-esteem not only causes questions within us, but that can then cause more risky behaviors to come out in our adolescence. When I'm talking with parents and I, you know, I say, hey, well, the video is focused on your belly right now. What? It went to your stomach. (laughs) What? Keep it away from my stomach. That was great. No, that's not good. When I'm talking with these parents and it comes up, yeah, you know, I can see from the testing, you know, or whatever, that your child is suffering from low self-worth. So many of them, they're just, they're aghast by this. I can't, what? How? When? I was always so supportive there would be no reason. One of the things we want to do today is point out from research There's others, but this is, in my opinion, kind of the top eight causes or things that can lead to the development of low self-worth in your child. That parents contribute. Not all of them that parents contribute. Sure, like the abuse and trauma. I'm getting ahead. But yeah, agreed. But know this, as a parent, or even if you've had a child that maybe was abused at a daycare or something, there is not a one-to-one correlation here. Correct. So just because something happens or a mistake was made or something was perpetrated against your child does not equal, does not mean he's doomed for the rest of his life. Yeah. That these things are things that help facilitate lower self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. The first one being, well, critical parents. If you Now, let me say this. Overly critical parents. Parents that it's very difficult to please them. That's one contributing factor. If a kid just goes, well, good Lord, you know... All they ever talk about is what I don't do well. They never even mention the things that I'm getting right. So overly critical parents. Number two, uninvolved parents. Now, you want to say neglectful parents, but parents will go, no, 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 I wasn't neglectful. Sure. But how how often did you make eyeball-to-eyeball contact and really talk with about something important with your child? And this isn't, uh, I take them to band practice Correct. weekly, because uh, kids will say, well, they have to do that. Yep. Time for kids is spelt by you taking time out of your day that you wouldn't else, other else be with them yeah. and actually spending time with your kid. Yeah. And, and what is in the five love languages, one of the five love languages, quality time. And what makes that a demonstration of love? Because I could have been anywhere doing anything and I chose to be here doing this. Uninvolved parents. Because what does that communicate? You're not worth my involvement. It's almost a stamp that you're not worthy. I've had so many kids sit in my office, more oppositional defiant kids, and they'll say, I'd give anything if my parents wanted me to call if I changed locations. I'd give any. Everyone thinks I've got the cool parents. My parents just don't care. So uninvolved parents, or let me say this, overly involved parents, the flip side of that where you're micromanaging every aspect of the kid's life, teaches them what? They don't have the brains to make their own just common choices. And I know we've kind of been on parents here for the first two, but number three, fighting parents. If, if, if There's an old adage. It's like uh, if you were in an airplane and the pilot and the co-pilot were having a fist fight, you'd be going, wow, if they're fighting each other, who's flying the plane that I'm on? Parents that are fighting each other give a very 
a sense of insecurity to the child. They're not secure in their environment. If the two people that are supposed to be in control are not in control, then I'm in trouble. Now, that doesn't mean that we hide all disputes. I'm not saying that. If we're going at it in front of the kids, that's one of the contributing factors to low self-worth. Number four, failing if a kid fails to meet standards. And that's parental standards or peer standards. The college student today, you know, if you grew up just to be a really good guy, but you were and you married a really good girl and uh, you had really good kids, but you were a sergeant in the army, you know, nothing big, good, but nothing big. uh, Would your parents be disappointed? Oh, yes, they would. Now, whether they would or not, that was certainly his perception of how they would judge his career. So failing to meet parental standards and failing to meet peer standards. If you just don't ever succeed in any way socially, the way that you want to succeed socially, especially junior high, and in those times when peer acceptance is so important. I would also add parent, peer, and educational. And I know there's a lot wrapped up in all that. But we have such, and we've been on the soapbox before, Mm -hmm. we have such a emphasis placed on get your best grades to get in the best college, to get the best job, to equal success. And we need to come off of that, and I'll leave it at there. Number five is being bullied. When your child says that they're being bullied, and first off, if they do say that they're being bullied, in fact, we ought to do the whole thing just on being bullied. That would be a really good show to do. But if you're, because I have kids that are, okay, you can't do anything. Now you got to go tell an, go tell an adult you're being bullied. Well, they go and tell and nothing happens. So if your child ever says they're being bullied, this actually is a big deal and can actually have long-term consequences. What sort of a sign are you writing now? Jimbo bullies me. Wow. Have I body shamed you today at all? That's in the past, Josh. I try to write notes to our YouTube audience. (laughs) So being bullied is actually a big deal. It can have lifelong consequences. Very much so. I would also say this. There's a lot of times people say they're bullied and they're not. True. Bullying is a very specific thing. And I think we overuse it. Moving on. Just because a kid has a problem with you or makes fun of you. Let me just tell you, you probably turn around and make fun of other people at times yourself. So the give and take of children and adolescents does not necessarily equate to bullying. Good point. Number six is difficulty with academics. You already stole that. Whoops. <laughs> I hadn't read I had the a complete thing, list. <laughs> and now uh, it's ruined. Number seven is trauma. And I'm going to go ahead and just kind of incorporate eight into this. Trauma slash abuse. Abuse is something that will actually take the wiring of your brain and just screw it up. Trauma as a child, and man, I had a young man once that had a mentor, and they were on a camping trip with his mentor. They had a car accident, and they were trapped inside this car, and this young man was pinned against his mentor, this guy that was like a father figure to him, and his head was smashed up against this guy's chest, and he heard his heartbeat beat the last. Wow. Yeah. That tends to mess a person up. Abuse, especially abuse by someone, any kind of abuse. But, man, if it's a trusted figure, if it's a a scoutmaster or if it's a minister or a parent or an uncle, some, some adult that's supposed to be taking care of you, that can absolutely take the snow globe of your brain and shake it up. And it takes, in some ways, decades for mm-hmm. that to settle down. So... Critical parents, uninvolved parents, fighting parents, failing to meet parent or peer standards, being bullied, difficulty with academics, trauma, abuse, 
These are things that, to your point, do not, they're not causative because there's plenty of people who undergo these things and they don't have low self-worth. But do they contribute to the development of low self-worth? Absolutely. And then, so if if a child has low self-esteem and low self-worth, then that can lead to higher rates of depression, anxiety, suicide, substance abuse, sexual experimentation, the list goes on and on. So how do we, and I think one important thing to distinguish, self-esteem is what we feel our reaction to our self-concept, okay? So our self-concept is what we think about ourselves. Self-esteem is how I react and how I feel about that. Yes. In fact, if I could just slip in, there is, um, oh my gosh, what's the guy's name? Well, since I can't remember it, just uh, attribute this to me. Okay. It's almost like our self-esteem formula. If you want to take and grade yourself on a scale of one to a hundred, how do I think I'm doing in life? Well, I think, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good relationally and academically and blah, 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 blah. I'll give myself an 85. Okay. Well, if I ask everybody in your life, those, your family, those people that know you really well, those people that just sort of know you at a distance. If I was to ask all those people to give you a grade, what would they give you? And you say, well, they might give me a 75. So you add those two together, divide by two, and that's your self-esteem. You you got about an 80 because your self-worth is a combination of how I think I'm doing and how I perceive other people think I'm doing. Kind of ends up with what your self-worth is. All right. So solve. Can I go over my solve since you hog the causes or contributing factors? Yep. Uh, All right. The first, and it might seem obvious because it's primarily the opposite of what we just discussed, but a loving marriage that expresses healthy conflict. Yes. So a loving marriage does not equal no conflict. Correct. I'm more worried about couples that have no conflict. Preach it, brother. Over ones that do. Woo, bring it home. So they have to model a healthy... healthy Woo, pass the plate. I'm going to get up and run. Woo! Even when he gives me the floor, he takes it. Loving marriage that models healthy conflict. What is it? You sprinkling on me something? Uh Holy Spirit sprinkles. Mm. Because you're preaching. See, if you were watching YouTube right now, you'd see that genius. <laughs> Anywho, so a loving marriage that models healthy conflict. Consistent boundaries and consequences is huge. And then healthy supervision. To your point just a few minutes ago, it actually, they fight it, but the perception that they actually receive is that this is a good, healthy thing if there's consequences, boundaries, supervision. Yep. I... Don't love cops. I spend 90% of my time. Police, police, policemen, law enforcement, first responders. And I, by I the love way, them all. I love them all too. Yeah. But I complain about them on the highway. Of but if there were no cops, I'd pee my pants. <laughs> you know, like. It'd be Mad Max yeah, beyond exactly. Thunderdome. So it's like, I complain. Your child complains. But consistent expectations, consequences, supervision, communicates love, and that they're worth it and contributes to their self-esteem. Jimbo, anything else? Just that. I mean, parents, you actually have a good deal of input into the development. There are some things that can occur outside your purview, be it bullying. Especially the older they get. Uh, yeah, academics, abuse, trauma. There are some things that you you have nothing to do with that. But... Under normal circumstances, you actually have a lot of your kids' self-worth in your hands. And to be able to not be overly critical, to be involved, all of the things that you said, a loving marriage, the greatest gift that you can give to your kids and probably the greatest 
thing that you can give your kids that is going to help them avoid low self-worth is a strong, loving, supportive marriage. That's the greatest gift that you can give the kids, not necessarily making sure they're in 15 sports every fall. You birth your kids to leave you. You are not their priority. They don't need to be yours. And so if you focus on your husband, you focus on your wife, make each other the priority, that is the, I'm just echoing what Jimbo just said, that is the best gift you can give them for their self-esteem. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. If you want more information about this show, as well as two to three extra steps to forming your child's self-esteem, go to paradoxpodcast.com and click on the episode tab and find the uh, blog post. If you want us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, go to paradoxpodcast.com as well. Or just Doc Jimmy Myers. Yeah, it's Doc Jimmy Myers on everything and Doc Josh Myers on everything. Yeah, on everything. Uh, Y'all have a good rest of your day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. The vulnerability of our young women in this culture, uh, they're, they're actually end up being the victims of uh, mm-hmm. the sexual milieu that, that our society has been sold as being the right approach to sex, which is a sick, sick situation for our young people.